Hi, welcome back to the Audible. Kim Bocamp or John Kajemi with you. And John, uh, you know, training camps are open. Everybody's in there. Everybody's been through the testing protocols. The rookies had it early. The veterans came in. And now they're out of the football field. And so we'll talk about that and a lot of stuff to talk about with the Dolphins. And in the beginning of training camp, we got some uh, NFL stuff going on that we can talk about and uh, talk about what's happening with the Dolphins as far as protocols and everything. We're going to talk to Jesse Davis, who's really going to be one of the key guys on this football team. You know, he may be a guy that, that plays multiple positions on that offensive line, or he may very well be your starting right tackle. He may be your starting left tackle. So a lot of different options available for Jesse Davis and how the Dolphins might use him. So we'll talk to him and see what he has to say about that. Uh, and then we get to X's and Bows. We talked about defensive backs last week and, and what they're going to be in the improvement that the Dolphins have made in the secondary. Well, you can look at the linebacker position, position and, and say they made just as much improvement at the linebacker position that they did in the secondary. So we'll talk about the linebackers a little bit. And John, it's conditioning time of the year for these guys. They missed out with uh, out on it and OTAs and some of those things. So they're, they're making up for it the first week or so of training camp. Uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about conditioning and what those guys are doing and, uh, and maybe some of the old uh, the Neanderthal types of things that we did when we played football for, for conditioning. But uh, a lot of stuff to get to on the audibles. Uh, and, and really, let's, uh, let's kind of get started with a couple of news and notes for the Dolphins. Uh, uh, the Dolphins waived Cordell Tankersley. Uh, you know, he was a high-round draft choice a couple of years ago. It never really made the impact. Had injury problems he dealt with. Thought he was going to come back, and uh, it, it just didn't happen. So they waived him. Alan Hearns uh, is uh, officially uh, opted out of the uh, of, of, of the season with the Dolphins, so he'll get that $150,000 stipend. He will be the same contract-wise next year when he comes back uh, as he would have been had he played this year. Uh, and also, news just kind of coming out a little late off of, from Albert Wilson that he's choosing to opt out. So, so two guys there that really, John, We've talked about in the past when you look about the, at the Dolphins and you look at strength areas of the Dolphins going into the, the, the draft, going into free agency and all those things, you really felt good about that wide receiver room as being one of the strengths of this football team. I don't think that's changed with those two moves, but it certainly has created a little bit of a void uh, in, in a room that you really didn't have a lot of concern for because you felt that the numbers were pretty strong with with Albert Wilson coming back, Hearns doing what he how he did last year, uh, Preston Williams coming back, those guys, all those things, you felt pretty good. So a little thing, a little chipping away at that position uh, with some opt outs uh, in the early part of this training camp. Yeah, Bo, I, I think it is kind of a, a gut punch for the Miami Dolphins in terms of depth, in terms of guys that have you've counted on in in past seasons to play at a high level, and with Hearns. Uh, you know, he was a guy that came on strong, got injured, came back, and you really counted on him being one of those slot receivers that you could you could go to in any situation. And Albert Wilson, if it's the reports are true, you know, seeing it on his Twitter account that uh, he's going to opt out as well. I think that really takes away a lot of diff diversity from your offense in terms of where you line him up, whether you hand him the football, whether you give him that those short passes where he makes the first guy miss because he's so quick and so strong to break tackles out on the perimeter. 
you look at that lineup now at wide receiver and you have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, you know, Williams still has that question mark. Is he going to be 100% in September to be able to go out and do all the things you want him to do? Uh, but Jakeem Grant now plays a, a much bigger role and, and, and Isaiah Ford playing a bigger role. And you have to be able to count on a, a guy that maybe you weren't counting on right now, Kirk Merritt or a Matt Cole or a Greg Jennings or a Mac Hollins who has big size on the outside to replace some of that distribution of plays and different formations you're going to line up in, in a new offense uh, with the Dolphins in 2020. So I think this is kind of a, if it may not be a, a kidney punch, but it's a gut punch for sure for, to that position uh, of guys with experience in the NFL. You got the wind knocked out of you, no doubt about that. And, you know, Malcolm Perry is another guy that may get more op opportunities in there. You know, he kind of comes in as a, a running back slash quarterback slash receiver athlete type of guy. And then he may be a guy that gets a little more reps out there at that position uh, with, with the, the changes, with those, those moves. Other things, like we said, John, they, they, they come in now. They're, they're going through the conditioning phase uh, with, with the football team. And, and John, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're like me or, or you're different than me, but boy, I tell you, I'd rather be, I'd rather be in the pads and banging heads. I hated it. And doing those those conditioning drills because, you know, especially if you're doing it as a team and a group, um, you know, you gotta, you, 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 you gotta keep up. You don't want to be the guy lagging behind and you know, it's going to be harder than, than it would be if you just went out with a, even though you go out with a bunch of guys and say, hey, we're going to go work out, you work out hard, but uh, you always get a little more up when the coaches are out there and the, especially those conditioning coaches that want to get the weight work done and get the, the conditioning work done. So this is going to be a tough, tough couple of weeks before these guys get into pads and start start banging around for a little bit. Yeah, I think Coach Flo mentioned it in a press conference a couple of days ago. He said the guys are kind of in okay shape. You know, they're working hard, but there's a uh, they've seen improvement, but there's a lot of room to go. And I think that really looks to the OTA portion of the offseason and how important uh, just the conditioning is and, and having, you know, weeks upon weeks to get acclimated to get your body right so that you can perform at a high level you know we we always talk about how the otas you know we got to go out and watch them run around in shorts and t-shirts sometimes it's helmets and a couple days of pads at the end but you take for granted the the grind and what it takes to be in football shape so you can go out and physically play football when it comes time to practice in pads and then ultimately with no preseason play game one in September in pads and, and play at 100% and play at a high level. So I think that guys are getting used to getting back into shape. I'm not saying that they didn't come to camp in shape, but it was a different requirement when you're on your own or with your trainer than when you're with the other guys or you don't want to be the last guy in your group, you know, finishing that drill. You want to keep up. And I think that that peer pressure was maybe wasn't a factor this offseason. Yeah, and you know, John, we always talk about it. It's, it's one thing about running and getting in shape. It's another thing about getting in football shape. And and even though they made it about running sprints and doing this and that, you know, John, sometimes it's just those reps that you get during an OTA and during one of those practices where, you know, if you're a receiver, you're, you're running downfield, you've got to come back and get in the huddle. Uh, if you're a defensive back, you're doing those coverage things. And, you know, if you're a defensive line, you're pass rushing. You're doing, so, so there are different inherent things that you do Conditioning-wise, even when you're going through the day-to-day -day practices on the field of, go, of getting to know your assignments, getting to know what other people are doing around you, all those things. So 
you miss out on it. And, uh, you know, to, to be quite honest, even what they're doing now is, is not giving them that. It's still that old, okay, let's line up on the line. Let's do some right. hundreds. Let's do some gassers. You know, let's do some show. Let's do all these different things. But you're still missing out on those, uh, on those, those practices where you get reps in. And, John, I always remember – I always remember in training camp thinking sometimes like, like Jesus Christ, how many times are we going to run this play during yeah. training camp? You know, we've, yeah. run, we've run 36 trap, 37 trap, a thousand times. We do it 200 times a week, you know, a thousand times over and over and over and over. And you're just, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And, and, and I used to, I used to sit, you know, towards the end of the season, latter part of the season, when you get into a dogfight in a game and where you're playing, where maybe you go to overtime, maybe you're on the field for, you know, average plays, 60 plays, maybe you're on the field for 70 or 75 plays or something, and where your energy is just shot, you're basically just a shell of yourself, and now you're relying on your instincts, what you did, those reps that you did in training camp, that you wonder, how come we did so many of them? Well, now you're on the field in a game-type situation. You're dead tired. It's hot. It's muggy. And you really don't have energy left, but you know what? Your body knows. Put your hand in the dirt. Go because because of those reps. And so right. there's going to be a there'll be a carryover of that too as the season goes along for these guys to get into shape. But um, it, it's something they've got to go through. But again, you know, and, and it's kind of mixed mixed deals here. I agree with a lot of people I've talked to that said, well, yeah, every team is going through the same thing. Well, yeah, every team is going through the same thing. But the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers, the Baltimore Ravens, and in some of these teams have a lot more veteran, veteran players and veterans who have been there and done that, and so they can act accordingly. This is a very young football team, John. I think there's, you know, you know, almost 50% of the guys in this football team are, are rookies or with very little experience. So it's a very young football team, and you know, they don't have that experience late in the season to, uh, to, 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 to know to get ready for. And so it's a, it's a whole different, whole different ball game for them out there as they try to get as ready as they can for the, for the upcoming days when they begin uh, padded practices. Yeah, the only thing I think that these young players on the Miami Dolphins roster can rely on is that the beginning of this season is going to be much like a college football season where yeah. you have no preseason games where you have to find a way to get in shape when you have padded practices, find a way to get the most out of it and then be ready week one to, to count win or loss, because that's what you do in college football. And I'm sure that some of the guys that have been around the league are making the other adjustment, you know, have no preseason games. You don't get bumped into and you kind of tweak your knee or ankle and you, you know, you don't call out or maybe you try to fight your way through it to see how your body is going to be able to fight through a couple more plays before you your time is done in that preseason game. Well, this is going to go from running to getting into pads to for real in a hurry. Yeah. So I, I think it'll it'll be more along the lines of a college football season, and maybe that is uh, leans a little bit to an advantage to the Miami Dolphins because you have so many young guys that are aren't used to going through the grind of a regular training camp or a, a preseason where you're going to have to play three quarters because you're young. Uh, you just go out and play for real. I think you're going to see a lot more mistakes in terms of, like you do in college football, fumbled snaps, uh, incompletions, uh, missed assignments. You're going to see that stuff, not only with the Dolphins, but I think across the National Football League. Yeah, John, and you look around the National Football League, and 
of the Dolphins uh, as, as, as it stands right now that while we're talking, two guys have appeared to opt out, but you look up the road in New England and there's what, seven or eight guys up there and some, some big yes. guys that Dante Hightower, uh, uh, you know, you got, you got guys up there that are meaningful guys. Marcus Cannon, you get a yeah. lot of guys, yeah. Big, big time players for them that have opted out and, and you know, you lose Tom Brady, uh, you know, like they lost uh, uh, Gronk last year. He's back, back up in Tampa. But, you know, you saw the effect of not having him in the lineup last year. Uh, so uh, for a football team that, that lost – one year lost one of their best players in a tight end, now lost one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game in Tom Brady. Now you've had a, a number of veteran players who, by the way, have, have made plenty of money. And they've got money in the bank, and, and so they've been – they can afford to do this, and and yet it still is going to put a lot of pressure on that football team to to come back and and, and be what they are. So you know, there, there's see, if seeing how different teams can rally around the rest of the guys after everybody that's opted out. Once this opting out period is over, uh, after that, where the where the dust settles, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams are going to shape out, John. Well, it's going to see, it'll be interesting to see how they fill out their roster with the guys they currently have on that 80 man roster, whether they're looking around and trying to fill guys from other teams once cuts are made and once guys are released. It's going to be a difficult season for general managers, for coaches, because you're not getting the time that you're used to and you're not getting to peruse different wires to be able to say, well, we like this guy in college, but he's out now. So where do we go to the next guy? And who fits our scheme the best? You might not know because you don't have those reps in preseason to, to kind of get a guy from another team to say he'll fit what we do best. We've seen it on tape, not only in college, but we've seen it at this level. And, and in terms of the AFC East, I think the Patriots, I mean, they, they're decimated in terms of starters. You know, they lose an offensive lineman. They lose their entire linebacking core from last year via opting out or free agency or what have you. You lose Tom Brady, as you mentioned, uh, to Tampa Bay, one of the best quarterbacks to ever line up. So you're going to have question marks. Now, I'm sure they have guys on that roster they have confidence in. Just as the Dolphins have to find replacements at wide receiver, I think the Jets are doing going to do the same thing on offensive line, at linebacker. Uh, the Bills have a couple of guys that have opted out. So it's going to be it's going to hit everywhere, but in the AFC East, it really is hit the New England Patriots hard. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, they'll have uh, 10 days uh, to work in pads uh, before things get going here, John. Um, and looking forward to that, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine what you get out of 10 days of padded practices and how hard can you go. And and I don't know, I don't think two days are involved in those types of things, but well, it's going to be a – once they get there, it's going to be – you know, those coaches are going to want to get as, as many reps as possible in there. And, again, I think this is one of those situations where being, you know, being a young football team where it really puts a burden on this staff uh, to get these guys ready in short order um, within the guidelines of, of what they're allowed to do and how long they're allowed to stay on the field. I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the, on the coordinators both defensively and offensively, how much offense do you put in? Uh, thank goodness you have a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick from, from the Miami Dolphins that has experience not only in the league, but in this offense that Chan Gailey is going to implement. 
Now, if it was a, a situation where Tua had to step up and play right away, I think you'd, you'd be a little bit more concerned on how much you're going to put on his plate, especially in the first month of the season, if he had to start the first four games. Now, you, you don't know how that's going to play out. It might happen. It probably won't if you're playing percentages. But just around the league, how much defense, how much, how many blitzes do you put in to expose somebody in the, in the secondary uh, that you don't want to, or a linebacker that's on a, on a, uh, a running back or a slot for a certain amount of, of period of time? Uh, I, I'm in zone, no, I'm in man, and now you got a free guy running down the middle of the field. So I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on those 10 practices. The walkthroughs, yeah, I got it. Those things don't cut it when you go to pads and you're finally – you know, lining up in real situations. So I, I think the more experience, the more discipline that you have as a football team, I think is going to play to your advantage. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be a, it's, it's, it's a lot of work to do in a short period of time. But again, everyone's in the same boat, although this is a football team that, boy, the turnover in the last two years is really uh, something that, uh, that they're going to manage. Hey, one of the things, one of the other areas, and we've talked about this in the past, mm-hmm. offensive line, what really, really needs to, to, to improve. I mean, uh, the, the running game, I think they had uh, just over, I don't know, what, over 1,100, just over 1,100 yards rushing. Uh, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your leading rusher. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Uh, sacks, they gave up 58 sacks as an offensive line. So they've got to find, and they go out and they get uh, uh, Austin Jackson, uh, Solomon Kinley, uh, Robert Hunt to try to help out there, and they go and make some changes, get Ted Karras and Eric Flowers. Um, to try to revamp it. But the one guy that may be the key to all this is, is Jesse Davis. And, and Jesse's in the situation where I don't even think right now he knows what position he's going to play. Uh, you know, one of those guys, you're going to have, you got Michael Dieter coming back at that, uh, uh, at that uh, guard position. Uh, and, and he's going to be battling for a spot. If he can't earn that spot, maybe Jesse Davis ends up at that spot. If Robert Hunt doesn't end up at that spot, Maybe Jesse Davis, but if Robert Hunt doesn't, maybe Jesse Davis goes to look to, to right tackle. They've been working him at center a little bit. Is he going to be that guy? So is Jesse going to be the jack of all trades and be that guy that's the valuable backup that can back up every single position on the on the offensive line? Or is he going to lock down one of those spots because one of those rookies isn't ready to step in or Michael Dieter hasn't gotten to the point where he needs to be to, to, to reclaim that job again? So Jesse's uh, he's going to be one of those very important cogs uh, to this offense and certainly the offensive line. Well, you would think so. And you mentioned his flexibility, being able to play just about every position along that offensive line. I think most of these offensive linemen are going to have to develop that skill. Robert Hunt did it in college. I think Solomon Kinley did it a little bit in college. I know that Michael Dieter did it last year and in college. So you're going to have guys that have to have the flexibility to play different positions. And you hope that Jesse is not only going to be able to lock one of those positions down, either at right tackle or at, or at one of the guard positions, but you mentioned playing center. You never know with injury, with COVID-19, uh, guys being down, you may have uh, a couple of different offensive lineups in terms of who's playing where, much like the Dolphins did last year for other reasons in the first month of the year. But you hope that you can count on Jesse Davis not only to win one of those positions, but line up and give you 16 weeks at a high level. Yeah, I had a chance to catch up with Jesse uh, earlier this week, so let's hear what he had to say.
Well, Jesse, how, how you doing? It's uh, you know we're, we're starting to looking forward to this coming year, but I can't I can't help but look back at last season, which was a strange season, a lot of coming and going, especially on that offensive line. It seemed like every week there was another place in there, another person in there that you had to deal with, and I thought that was a strange year, but it doesn't hold a candle to what you're going through this year. So this two years on, we're going on of 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 where a somewhat abnormal season, this more so. How have you dealt with, how'd you deal with last year and, and now at the, at the threshold of, of training camp open up and going in and uh, going through this uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, situation, um, going with virtual meetings and everything, just try to get ready and be the best you guys can be during this season, 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a you know, wild time rolling from last season into this season and doing all our Zoom meetings and just, you know, having that accountability of making sure you're getting your workouts in, you're staying in shape. Um, you know, it's, you know, we're contacting everybody, making sure that they're, you know, they're accountable too, like making sure they're doing their their stuff, but they're not with us. So, you know, we kind of had a good group going, I think, uh, beginning of June and then rolling into a little bit in July of, you know, had a, like 10 guys in town. We'd do our workouts together. You know, we'd make sure we run together and, you know, Everybody was eating right, kind of, you know, we're just making sure everybody's checking in on mental health wise, you know, strange times. Uh, they don't know, you don't know what somebody's dealing with. So it was just kind of, uh, it's almost refreshing, you know, it kind of puts you in a different role almost. It made you kind of grow up a little bit more, you know, for us. So it was, it was nice to see, especially with a, a younger group like this. Well, sir, certainly early on, pre draft and, and, and soon right after the draft, um, you guys were on your own. Right. You had, you had to find your own ways to work out. You had to find your own ways to uh, to get stronger. You had to find your own ways to do all those things. And and so it relied on each and every individual to be disciplined and to commit to that, whether you're lifting up milk jugs or or pieces of concrete. I don't know what, what people did, but I know for a while there, you know, people were having, having to just kind of figure out ways to get to where they need to be physically with whatever they had going. Do you have any strange situations where you had to you had to deal with that and, and, and try to keep yourself on on pace for a season that uh, really you didn't know when was going to start and, and when you were going to get back and, and get at it. Yeah, I, I didn't have any strange situations of like lifting logs or you know using rocks or something. But I love those stories. That's cool. Um, no, I was finding whatever field I can use. You know, I was like I was going to Nova Field down the street, and then we ended up getting uh, booted from that. So uh, I was going to like the parks and, you know, seeing what park was open, what was closed. So we're, that's how I was getting my running in and my drills in. But luckily, you know, I was, you know, close to the facility. So I got to, you know, grab some stuff before um, the pandemic actually really shut everything down. So I was doing, you know, body weight, body weight workouts and then uh, ended up buying a Peloton yep. to do a little low impact stuff. And it actually, you know, kept me going, kept yep. me going every day on something, you know, keeping keeping the wheels turning, but um, yeah, everybody is a strange, strange situation to be in, but everybody seemed to get it done. Hey, talk about playing the field on the field. Uh, uh, a lot of new faces on this offensive line, which really is no different than, than really the entirety of, of last season. I think even towards the last couple of weeks, there were still some, some changes going on in their offensive line, but you bring in uh, a number of new faces, five new faces and some, some free agents. Uh, you've got, three rookies, you got two vets that came in, uh, new faces, and 
everyone everyone knows the offensive line. In, you, know, you guys need to congeal. You need to be one unit. And, and it's tough enough doing it when you've got OTAs, meetings, you're together, and you're going through all this. How do you figure it out this year going through what you're going now where, um, you know, you don't even know if you're going to be doing – I don't know if you guys know if you're going to be doing 11-on-11s, if you're going to be doing – half-line drills, or maybe one, you know, the, the whole, the whole way that training camp is going to be done. Now, look, everybody, every team's in the, is, it's the same playing field. Every, every team is, has to do this, but it is a new time and, and, and trying to get, especially as many new faces as you guys have on this offensive line into some kind of a group that can uh, mesh together. How do you see that moving forward through this training camp as you get to the season opener uh, early in September? Yeah, um, with meshing together, I mean, we we found ways to hang out and, you know, yeah. make sure we were, you know, doing something together at least once a week. And that was that was pretty crucial. And uh, I credit Ted Karras for doing, you yeah. know, a lot of that planning as well. So he did a good job with that. And, um, you know, moving forward, yeah, we don't know how practices are going to be structured, you know, how many guys we can have around each other, you know, going on. But uh, it seems – there's you know there's a way to figure it out how to do it so i think moving forward and everybody's in the same boat you know so you know playing field should be even but um you know just just making sure that we're doing something extra would put you know put us a little bit above it so you know we got to kind of figure that out on our own as well but um, our meetings have been excellent uh, on the field stuff has been you know pretty stellar considering the rookies we have and uh, the offense that we're running so you know hats off to the coaches and the staff but Ultimately, the players, you know, we got to figure out something else that we can do just to put us a step above. It's going to be pretty interesting to, or nice to walk into that huddle and, and look around and see six, five, six, 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 six. <laughs> I mean, that's a, you know what, through the draft and free agency, uh, the one thing when you look at this offensive line before you get into – is, you know, you, you've turned to a, a big, strong, physical offensive line. And as you go through with your coaches and Coach Marshall and, and Coach Gailey and everything, it is – does that seem to be the personality that they're looking for out of this bunch? Yeah, it seems to be, um, you know, we're looking for attitude players. You know, we're looking for guys that can move dudes and we can, you know, we want to we be the, the group that people fear. And I think they did a good job finding that, that group. And I'm proud to be on this, this squad. And, yeah, we got, you know, tall guys, big guys. And I think Ted was like, I might be the smallest guy in line now, you know. <laughs> so, but as long as we can move guys and keep the quarterback clean, we're, we're good. You know, if I played on those, I played on those against those lines where all of a sudden you stand there and they, they, they break the huddle and an offensive line turns around and you just go, oh shit, these guys are huge. And you might be, you might be, you might be along that that group of guys. Right. Yeah. I hope so. Hey, um, uh, Tua comes in, uh, and and you know everything we've heard about uh, about him and uh, you know just. Uh, and I think you can tell when you've seen him and heard him, at least from us from the outside. You guys have. Have, have been around him now. Seems to be a, a dedicated kid. Seems to be a good family guy. Seems to be a good person. Seems to be one of those guys that just wants to be one of the guys and and help everyone as well as he can. Um, what, what is your impression of of him? And, and and kind of along the lines too with with he and Fitz and Rose and all in that room battling for you know it looks like this is going to be a training camp where they're going to kind of throw the football out there to those guys and whoever plays the best is going to get started. Uh, so there's a competition with them, but it's important to you to see who's going to be there, especially with a guy like Tua that's a left-hander. 
and you got some right-handers and, and those dynamics certainly do affect you in, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, with Tua, you know, it's funny because he was wearing a Keith Whitley shirt and we're like, the heck? Keith Whitley, you know, old country singer. So we're like, this guy might be all right, you know? So it actually turned out, you know, he's like a huge Keith Whitley fan. Obviously he was like uh, talking to Shania Twain on Twitter or something. So we all you know, got a chuckle out of that. But yeah, his, he's just a grounded guy. Um, you know, humble, hard worker. Um, you know, very receptive to Fitz and how, how Fitz has been, you know, bringing him along as well. And, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, all these rookies are so far behind just with not having OTAs, not having that coaching, not experiencing that early on and no preseason games now. I mean, we already, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road to climb, but I think we got a good, got a good group. And obviously these coaches will put them in the best way they can put them on the field. So I'm excited to see them play. You know, I'm sure this is something you've heard ad nauseum here. Uh, during the off season and, and, and going through is that, um, you know, the offensive, the, the running game needs to be more effective. I mean, Fitz can't be your, your leading rusher this year. You go, you go out and you get a couple of guys, a uh, couple of veterans that come in that are going to help you from the running back position. And, but there's also the protection issue and, and cutting down on the number of sacks and, and hurries and everything. That falls at the footstep of, of the five guys that are going to end up being that offensive line. <clears throat> And after looking at those numbers and knowing going forward, you feel good about both of those aspects from a run game standpoint and a pass protection standpoint with uh, with the group that you've got coming in. Yeah, you know, definitely. From last year, it was such a you know embarrassing moment for our you know whoever started on that front five, and then going into this year, you know, we're definitely you know on our, on each other about accountability and how we can improve this line and make sure quarterback stays clean, make sure we can at least get, you know, two to three yards every carry to put us ahead a little bit. But, um, you know, we, we got some good backs in the backfield. We got, you know, smart quarterbacks. We got smart coaches. And, and this offense is designed for us to play fast, play smart, and get the ball moving and, and ultimately, you know, win football games. And this year, you know, for us starting five, whoever's on that line, you know, we're going to take – you know, great accountability into that. And we can't happen, whatever happened to, you know, last two years happened again, especially for our fans. You know, the, uh, in the NFL, you go from being a young guy to an old guy really quickly in a, in a blink of an eye sometimes. And I know earlier in one of the press comms, you're talking about how no, you're, you're the, you're the veteran guy. You're the old, you're the guy yeah. that's been around. You've got the, you got the most pelts on your, on your belt. You, you, you know, you've, you've been there longer. Um, and with that comes responsibility. And you talked about um, reading leadership books, doing those types of things, looking at the Navy SEALs and what they do. What, what did you glean from that that can help you, A, as an individual, to be the best player you can be, but also to be able to put that leadership, um, what you've learned in, in leadership from what you've read, into effect with that group that you're going to be dealing with all year long? Yeah. And like the Navy SEALs, they're all about team, you know, all about teamwork and um, how, how, you know, how good they can be and how, you know, they know everybody's move, how they're going to, you know, take down a building, know where everybody's going to be at. And there's not one guy on that team. Obviously there's a, a leader, but the, the leader's also with them. You know, there's not one guy that's like, Hey, do this, you know, he's with them doing it, you know, and making sure that he's doing the best he can do. So with that, like, it's just a different, perspective on how they do things obviously when they do it and something goes bad somebody dies but when we do it you know i mean qb gets hit or we have a lawsuit down you know what what have you but um 
with those books, I mean, it was so interesting to read, like the intensity that they go through and they, what they put themselves through to make them the best they can be and take a lot of pride in doing it. And I thought that was, you know, really interesting to take away. Hey, just one thing for you. I know you talk about it and I've heard other guys talk about it, how, um, how impressed they are with the organization and what they've done to make sure that, that not only do you guys feel safe, but that you are safe going through this with all the protocols they put together, keeping you distant, distant and all that. Um, does, does that give you some comfort that when you walk into that building, I don't have to worry about that stuff. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's been taken care of by our staff, by our medical staff, by the training staff, by the locker room staff, the equipment guys, everybody that's done all that work to make sure you're protected. Does that give you an ease of mind as you meander your way through that building and, and get ready to go to, to the point in another uh, couple of weeks where you start going out and, and having some contact and, and doing all that stuff so that you can get there and be safe and then continue throughout the rest of training camp. Yeah, that's definitely Kyle Johnson, our head trainer and his staff did a heck of a job, you know, all the way up from the top head shed. And, you know, we walk in, you know, you're, you're already, you're already swabbed. You're already logged in. You're doing temperature check. You're grabbing your contact tracer. And then you're going to work with obviously wearing your face mask, but everything's being cleaned. I've, countless times a day um, then there's you know obviously when you're working out there's a accountability of you wiping down your bench or wiping down your weights as well so it's kind of like a, a double double uh, sanitation within the time frame but yeah it's just peace of mind uh, guys you know feel safe I feel safe and I think um, you know they're busting their butts doing it and you know you know we're proud of them for doing that and we're happy to you know continue to do our part as well and making sure that we're six feet away or you know, we can be able to play ball games this year and not, you know, be have a setback or something like that. And make sure that we're quarantining as well when we go home. We appreciate your time, Jesse. I'm glad you're back. Glad, glad, glad the team is back. I'm glad things are moving forward. And uh, it's going to be a day-by-day -day thing to see how this, how this goes on. But uh, I know that with everything that, that, that happened this offseason, uh, Dolphin fans all around are very excited to see what this edition of the Dolphins is going to be. Uh, and, and moving forward, because I think they saw enough last year from this group and, and Brian Flores and his staff uh, that, that really has pumped some, uh, a lot of hope into uh, this football team. And you're a big part of that. We appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, appreciate you. All right, so uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Davis, you know, he's, uh, uh, he knows what the expectations are. Uh, he's been given a contract that, that's got to give him a lot of comfort and, and, uh, and trust that, that, uh, that this football team is, is behind him. Uh, but he needs to find a home. He needs to find a home. And <laughs> that's you know, right. one of those things where you're, you're, good enough that you're, you're, you're good enough that you can play a lot of different positions, which makes it tough for you because you've got to know all those positions. And sometimes you don't get to maybe compete as much or get as many reps as you might at the position that may be the one that you're best at. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough role to play when you're you're good enough, but you're also good enough to have flexibility. It, get, it, it usually lends to stay around a lot longer in the National Football League, but you'd love to say, hey, I am the right tackle of the Miami Dolphins. I have the ability to do other things, but this is my position of strength. And I think, I think as the Dolphins go along, and it's more about what Robert Hunt or Kinley or, or Michael Dieter or Eric Flowers, more about what those guys – uh, can do at certain positions in those 10 days of padded practices 
to evaluate and maybe say, Jesse, you do this really well, but we need you here. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a good position to be in for Jesse Davis. It's a position of strength because if he can play it just as well at, at left guard or right guard as he does at right tackle, he's going to lock down one of those five spots. Yeah. yeah, and having a guy like that is is really important in a football team. You know, I I, I remember when you know, Jeff Dellenbach uh, right. was the guy that was was doing that. We had uh, you know a couple other guys that did have that ability. Nate Garner, I remember one year that's right. They were up in uh, in uh, Carolina or something. I think he played every offensive line position on the field that night and, and they played it all pretty well. So a lot of value to those guys. And, and, but, but again, if you're, if you're one of those guys, you ultimately want to be a starter and that's what everyone yes. really wants to be. So, so that's what you're looking for. Hey, time now for X's and bonus and John, we've kind of been working our way through this line position by position or this football team position by position. Talked about the, the defensive backs last week and, and, and how many, how many talented players there are back there and, and who's going to play where and, and the, and the position flexibility they have. And, and now you look at the defense of the, the, uh, the linebackers, the group of linebackers. Again, another group that really needs to, to help improve this defensive front, help improve them in the, in the run defense, help them improve in pass rush. And, and they've gone out and they've gotten, you know, you, you look at the, the, the additions, Kyle Van Oy, to, to me, you know, Kyle Van Oy to me has been, been a thorn in the side of the Dolphins ever since I saw him up there. I remember seeing him going, geez, who's this guy Van Noy? Well, right. I've certainly seen – I've had I've, I've had a gutful. I'm up the hill with Kyle Van Noy watching him play against the Dolphins. So now he plays for us. And he gives you one – he's one of those guys that can – got a lot of different uh, – uh, he's got a good skill set. He can rush the passer. He can cover. He can play the run. He, he's always around the football. So nice addition there. Uh, and then you got Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan coming back. Uh, Vince Beagle coming back. Uh, you got Andrew Van Ginkle, who uh, you know kind of got some opportunity to play back there. Uh, Curtis Weaver comes in as is one of those guys that can be a an edge rusher. So some of these guys are edge rushers. Uh, Sam Aguavin back. So there's a number of guys here that, that I think really really can can take this linebacker group. And and I think when you add a, a Kyle Van Noy to it, he may be just the glue that really brings this group together and solidifies them. I think they've played pretty well as a young group over the last couple of years and have been getting better, but it's nice to have some, uh, some, some more of the cavalry come in and help you as you try to try to get over the hill, if you will. Van Noy's flexibility to me is, is the key to the linebacking core this year, because he's going to be able to line up just about everywhere in this defense. And he's, his level of productivity is is so good you can count on him to be an impactful player on this defense and i'm i'm excited to watch him in tandem with jerome baker and, and guys like raekwon mcmillan and even the landon roberts who who came over in free agency uh aguavin uj hill a lot of a lot of guys that have position flexibility but are fast are tenacious and that are smart that have been in in this system that came from new england now to the dolphins and now will be tweaked for 2020 I'm just excited to see these guys play together. But Van Noy definitely brings that flexibility uh, and, and probably adds to Jerome Baker's uh, position uh, yeah. being a little bit more flexible, maybe moving him around the defense a little bit more and having uh, a guy like Raekwon McMillan, who's been better and better and is now healthy, be able to add more to this defense. So I, I, like, I like that core linebackers. Uh, that the Miami Dolphins have. They've got a, a youthful group, 
They've yeah. got a little bit of experience, and they've got guys that are smart football players, and that's what you're looking for. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of the edge rushers, too, a little bit when we start talking about the, the defensive line. But there are a number of guys that can, can, do, can do multiple things. And I think when you look at this group, John, uh, if you're, you know, you're uh, uh, Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, you know, it, it really gives you – I mean, you, you can almost be an amoeba kind of a defense where you can line up in a 3-4, you can line up in a 4-3. You've got a number of linebackers that you can put out there that can, play, that can stand up and play linebacker. They can put their hand in the dirt and rush. You can do a lot of different things. So you can easily morph from a 3-4 to a 4-3 to that, that mill-around defense where maybe you don't have anybody with their hands on the ground. We saw that a little bit last year. We saw one defensive lineman, two defensive linemen. So adding more of these linebackers that are versatile and can do different things, I think it really is going to give this defense and, the, and, the def- and, and, and this defensive team as a whole much like the offense, much like that offense, a lot more flexibility to do a lot of different things out there, especially as we talked about last week, knowing that you've got a secondary behind you that's got a lot of coverage skills back there. Uh, well, you, you, if you're a, you're a defensive coach, whether it's a linebacker coach, a safety coach, a, a cornerback coach, your defensive line, defensive end, the linebacker, whatever, well, you, you've got to be excited about the options and possibilities that – spring out of the new players they brought in and especially a linebacker group that has so many guys with so much versatility that can really change the look of what you're doing. Well, I think we talked about uh, earlier about the only 10 padded practices and getting right into the regular season. I, I think identification is going to be difficult when you play the Miami Dolphins, especially early in the season. Is he a linebacker? Is he a rush in? Is he a middle linebacker? Is he a cover guy? I think that Josh Boyer is going to have the flexibility with the added strength at cornerback, and you're hoping Xavier Howard's going to be good to go in September. But you get Byron Jones on the other side. You have so much depth at safety with Rowe and and McCain and and guys at the nickel position that when you add in those linebackers, it's going to be tough to ID the Miami Dolphins on defense because, as you mentioned, Van Noy can do a little bit of everything and do it at such a high level. Baker was – uh, asked to rush the passer a lot more last season and got close a lot. You know, got there a couple of times, but got close a lot. And I think when you have those types of players, uh, you're able to mix and match and move them around. I think it's going to be tough for offensive linemen, tough for running backs to to be able to identify who a big body on a big body and who the running back has and coming at him at the, from the linebacker position. Yeah, yeah, pretty excited about that group and pretty excited what. Uh... Well, really, that back half of that defense is going to look like where you can get some pressure up front. And, uh, you know, this team, minus 10 in the giveaway-takeaway ratio, that's, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you look at the stats, John, and you can look at them offensively and defensively. And, and they're all, you know, from last year, they're all in the, in the lower thirds. And, and, boy, you'd like to see those numbers get, get back up to more reasonable where you're in that top 10, top 15 in some of those areas. And, and, and really be, you know, create a defense that, that, that is able to exert its will on, on, on some of these offenses that are out there. Well, Bo, even if you can get to the middle tier yep. of the National Football League, I think it's going to improve your offense, number one. Uh, get your defense off the field, get the ball and get the possession for your offense. And, and I, I think that this defense might have uh, an inkling to take for takeaways, to get their hands on the football, whether it's, tackles for loss or, or strip 
uh, forced fumbles or being able to come away with some, a couple of more interceptions from the linebacking core, from the corners that you've added, uh, from the depth that you've added on this defense. I think if you can get anywhere from 18 to 12, somewhere in, in that strike zone in terms of, you know, yards on the ground, takeaways, tackles for loss, if you, if you can create some pressure, you know, with the added secondary help, create some pressure up front because that ball's going to have to come out a little bit sooner. I yeah. think this defense is trending upward in terms of what they've added this offseason. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Hey, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, these guys doing their conditioning and getting their done, John, getting done. And uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of time to wrap things up here and usually kind of give, give, give us some of our experiences. I just remember, you know, I remember coming out to, to uh, Miami. Uh, you know, I've told the story about my draft day where I got a prank call from one of my buddies and then, then I get a call from Coach Shula, and, and as soon as I heard Coach Shula's no, uh, voice, I, I knew exactly who he was. And, and they said, well, what did he say to you? What did he say to you? And I said, well, it was pretty short and sweet. He said, uh, he said Kimbo Camp? I said, yes. And we drafted you as a linebacker. Uh, training or our mini camp starts on uh, Thursday, and we expect you here. Get ready for the 12-minute run. And I said, I'll be ready, Coach. I'll be ready. I hung up. I go, what the hell is a 12-minute run? I had no idea what it was. So – we had gone, the year I got drafted, they, had, they were trying to abolish the draft, uh, unconstitutional. So they pushed it and pushed it, and we didn't know. And, and I grew up in Northern California, and it really had never been east of, of Nevada <laughs> in my life. And, <laughs> and the other, they drafted Larry Gordon, linebacker out of Arizona State, uh, who grew up in LA, and he had never been further west, uh, further east than Nevada or Arizona. And so we showed up in short order for, for mini camp and, and I got there the day before and uh, was worried about this 12 minute run. Cause I asked him, what's a 12 minute run? He said, well, you know, you got to run for 12 minutes and you got to reach, reach a certain, reach a certain distance or you got to run it again. And coach Shula hates when people don't make it. So I got there and I said, well, shoot, I better go out and I better go out and, and, and run a little bit. Practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're staying at, the, staying at the Miami Lakes Inn. They, they put me at the Miami Lakes Inn. And uh, so I got out there and, and uh, went to start running. And I started to run. I got about five blocks out and I had to stop. The humidity, <laughs> the heat, because I had never been in humidity. You know, there's, it got hot in California. It, it no, hit you in a hurry. And I mean, it, it just took my legs out from under me. So I saw Larry the next day. It was the day we were going to run the 12 and I said, Larry, are you are you? She goes, oh, no, well, I'm telling you, so I'm, I thought I was in pretty good shape, but I'm out here in this issue many. Well, so, so, so we start running the 12 minute run. Coach Shula lines everybody. And Larry, I'll never forget, Larry, Larry, for whatever reason, had bells on his. He had, he had bells on his football cleats. So we start running. And I'm, I'm, I'm just ahead of Larry. And, and, and I could hear the bells. <laughs> Along, you know, they were like spurs. I think as long, as long as I hear those bells singing behind me, you're I'm okay on going, you know. So we're running, we're running, and all this stuff. And two guys, and pick it up, you guys, pick it up, you know. And, and, and so the two last guys are me and Larry. <laughs> My God, two first round draft picks, and neither one of you guys, and all of a sudden, I hear that ching, ching. No Down more sound. <laughs> down goes Larry. And I turned around and I see Larry and he's not down. Well, he ain't moving. <laughs> he's moving. He ain't moving very fast. He's very right. Slow. 
So I see him stop, so I stop. Hey, Larry, you all right? Oh, yeah. for sakes, you, you would have thought we assassinated the president of the United States. Yeah. You know, what's going on? Get those guys. <laughs> that, was, that was my first experience. That was my first experience running the 12-minute run. It was my first un, uh, experience of getting the wrath of Don Shula. It was my first experience of pacing myself with somebody with bells on their cleats. And it was my first experience of not making a conditioning drill. And after that, after, after having Coach Shula stand up in front of the meeting and berate you for not making the 12-minute run, um, I, com I committed right. myself to never doing it again. And after that, I always came in condition, always came in ready for the 12-minute run, always passed it, always did it. But, boy, I'll tell you what, the, the, the memories of getting my ass scorched by one of the greatest coaches in the history of the National Football League, um, those burns didn't go away too quickly. I can guarantee you that. You know, it's funny, always listening to guys talk about the 12-minute run uh, that were members of the Miami Dolphins. And I think that was probably at that time of the year, because it's right in the beginning of training camp, yeah. it probably was equal to throwing uh, an interception for a touchdown to lose the game, uh, fumbling the football, uh, running by yourself all alone going into the end zone, or missing a tackle you know, in the open field right. and a guy runs for a touchdown. At that point in the season, that, that probably was the exact same importance to Coach Shula. No, no doubt. No right? doubt whatsoever. No doubt. I remember Bo trying to, to run in Fort Lauderdale because we, you know, way back when, when, when we played, we didn't have these OTAs. You, yeah. you kind of got in shape on your own and you went right to training camp. So I'm here in Fort Lauderdale trying to get in shape to go to Canada to play. And we, always, we didn't have the 12-minute run, but we had these 350s that you had to run. You started at the back end home of one of the end zone. You had to run around the field. And each group started in a different area. And each right. group had a different time that they had to make. And I remember one training camp in Toronto, really hot. Everybody took off their shoulder pads, but they had to put their jersey back on. As quarterbacks, we had red jerseys. So, you know, it was easy to identify us going around the field. Well, we got about to the, you know, the fourth one out of five, and, and everybody was dying. Every group was dying. So we took our red jerseys off, and the linemen, the offensive linemen were right ahead of us. They were about 20 yards ahead of us. So when, when these, the strength coach and the head coach were looking the other way, and they were yelling at some other group, we ran in with the offensive linemen and got right in the middle. <laughs> and they blew the whistle, and we started. It was like a herd. Yeah. You know, they were protecting us. We were, they were all behind us. We weren't running very fast, neither were they. But the coach, when we got about halfway through, they're like, where the hell are the quarterbacks? We were all in the middle of the offensive linemen. No one could see us. They made us run an extra couple. It was bad. But that was the way we could only protect each other. The linemen weren't going to make it. So we were going to push them. We knew they weren't going to go very fast. So we hung in with those guys. You're 100% right, though, that on that day, on that given day of training camp, Started training camp. That was the most important thing. You're right. It was like dropping a touchdown. That was, it was, it was, if just, you didn't make that, that was for coaches, especially for Coach Shula, who was such a, a stickler to, you know, to make sure you were disciplined, make sure you were yep. mentally and physically tough. It had to be the same, you know, you know same like when I first came importance. here, when I first got here, Dick Anderson was the, was the, uh, um, he was the guinea, he was the, he was the rabbit. Dick, Dick always, so, so it used to be, you know, you go around two fields. Around two fields, and if you were an offensive lineman, you had to get 
Yeah, we started at the middle of the 50-yard line on one field. You had to go around five times. Right. Maybe five and a quarter if that was your distance. If you're a, a, a linebacker. A DB, you had to make a seven or wide person. receiver. So, yeah. Well, the, but the most anyone had to run was probably the DBs and the wide receivers. Yeah. They had to get six laps in. Mm -hmm. The linebackers, we had to get five and a half or five and three quarters. Well, Dick used to get Dick used to get you know six and three quarters laps. Dick Dick was just, and then AJ came in, and right. then AJ 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 just blew it away. AJ like almost sprinted around the whole time. You know, AJ was a seven lap plus <laughs> guy, right? So so Coach Shula, for a couple years after that, he would bring in he would he would he would sign a guy, sign a free agent. And the free agent would always win the 12-minute run. One of those years, the rabbit. He would sign a guy just so he knew he was going to run to finish the 12-minute run. Look at look at McCall. He made it's, it. That's what it was, and that's exactly what it was. Is <laughs> after that was we did testing day on that day. You know, you had to do you had to run your 40. You had to do pull-ups. You had to do shuttles. You had to, everything that you timed, and you had to do that. And Coach Shula at the end of that. That night in the meeting, went okay, you know, uh, so and so gets a red star because he he bench pressed two twenty five more. You know, whoever right. did the most got a, a star, whatever it was. And he always and now he had his, his for two years he had these guys. Oh, geez, you know, really surprised you. What about so and so? Seven and a half laps, right? Seven and a half laps. And he'd look at he'd look at you know you know some of you guys could barely even get your minimums in. These guys are going to set. That's what commitment is. That's that's what is commitment. The next day, the guy gets cut. Yeah, he, he couldn't catch a cold or he couldn't cover anybody, but he could he run his run. ass off. He could run. <laughs> After a while, you go, you know, yeah, forget that guy. He's not going to be here tomorrow. I ain't going to let that influence me. So yeah. <laughs> the rabbit was was quick, but he didn't last long. That was quick, but you know, Dick Dick was always there, and AJ was always there. But the, there you go. Keep up with the rabbit, but the rabbit wasn't there for long. Rabbit went down his hole the second day, <laughs> never to see him again. So uh, always good time. But uh, it's 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 going to be a different year for these guys. Different way of getting conditioned. Everyone's got to do it that way, and and we'll see how it goes. But uh, and like I said at the beginning, John, football's back. Uh, before yeah. you know it, they'll be practicing out there. Uh, you know, we're no preseason games, and we'll get to the uh, the other stuff here as, uh, uh, as, as, as we go on and, and get this season started. But, again, just happy to be back and, uh, and, and happy to be talking football. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I can't wait to go watch a practice. Can't wait to, to get ready for a football game, to prepare for one and be able to talk about one and, and just watch the guys get through this, this period. Because, you yep. know, for the entire world, for, for our country and for, for, for the, our small NFL family, it's been very uh, a lot of change. It was very difficult for everybody to get to a point where you feel like you're going to be able to enjoy sports and be able to watch and entertain uh, not only yourself but you know, for the guys to go out and do things that they love. So we're getting closer, and I just hope that the uh, the numbers start uh, continue to decrease and flatten, and we're able to to enjoy an NFL season. Well, it's pretty remarkable, you know, with, uh, with what we've seen in baseball and some of the sports where football has been able to get going and, and, and get underway with really limited amount of, of infections and, and, right. and guys that put on that COVID, um, you know, uh, in, uh, list where they can come and go when they, when they get back. So really it's been pretty, it's been pretty hopeful 
with what you've seen so far about how this is going, the protocols, and and look, we'll, we'll see, every day is going to be something different. Every day we'll find something new, and we'll be here. Uh, we'll here, be here to do it. But that's going to do it for the audible today. I want to thank Logan McCall, Jeff Griffith for uh, for all their help. For John Kajemi, I'm Kim Bocamper. Stay safe. Keep your masks on. Let's get through this thing, and let's all get into a building one day and watch a football game. I think that's what we're all looking forward to.